new on Curiosity Stream. I'm James Burke. I'm going to take you on a journey through time. James Burke's visionary series returns, reimagined for our time. Now, this is all uncharted territory. The Washington Post hails Burke as one of the most intriguing minds in the Western world. The New York Times raves he careens from one great moment in history to another. Where do we want to go from here? Experience all new connections. So what's the next connection? With monthly, annual, and bundled plans, find the one that works for you at curiositystream.com. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so (laughs) you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Welcome into the awesome UFC strategy show for UFC 267, which goes down on Saturday in Abu Dhabi, early start time, 1030 a.m. Eastern time with your prelims main card, 2 p.m. each time. Of course, this fight card will air live on ESPN Plus. So, and Pete, I think we have to remind people, big cage on Saturday, something to kind of think about in terms of developing your lives. Of course, we'll be here over the next hour to break this one down for you. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. We'll give some Monkey Knife Fight picks later on in the show. But uh, Pete, before we get even started, you know, we always talk about we love our screenshots. We got a good screenshot Saturday. Yes, sir. We did. You know, congrats. Uh, you know, we, we had a successful night for the team. Awesome. I love it. I love seeing that uh, taken down, you know, first place for the big GPP is fantastic. Congrats to you. Thank you for trusting us. Um, you know, obviously you, you have to have some core plays and then you have to sprinkle in some other low options that could possibly come through. Uh, Caceres was that guy, right? Like Caceres was the guy that kind of was the slate breaker. Yeah, uh, Deathflower74 is the handle over on DraftKings. Had Vittori, Alex Aceres, Rodriguez, Ronda Marcos, Molina, and Mason Jones, who, uh, man, that was a great fight. If you if you didn't chance to see Mason Jones and David Onama, uh, mm-hmm. that was a really good fight that those two guys put on there. But, of course, we're here to break down UFC 267. We are headlined by two title fights, main event, light heavyweight title fight, Yamalhovich defending his title against Glover Teixeira. Of course, uh, as of doing this show, we only have pricing over on DraftKings, so we'll be talking nothing but DraftKings here. But, of course, on Saturday morning, live for lock, we'll talk about the FanDuel pricing over there. 9000 for Jan Blahovic, 7200 for Glover Teixeira. Um, and, and, Pete, as I've kind of thought about this fight, I really feel like this is a fight that's going to go 25 minutes. I feel like the key for Glover Teixeira is is making this a grappling matchup, not making this a kickboxing matchup. Try to, you know, basically use, you know, get this fight up against the fence. What's your take on the fight? I think it's a fantastic fight. Uh, It's kind of surprising that in 2021, we're having this matchup for the belt. I think that both fighters have made adjustments necessary for their careers. Uh, we've seen Blahovich, you know, start off his UFC career really not well at all, uh, starting to go on a streak. Um, the, the Polish power is a real thing. He's knocking people out. If he touches you, man, uh, people go to sleep. And, uh, you know, Glover Teixeira constantly counted out, has a, a, a grit like you wouldn't believe, has a well-rounded Brazilian jiu-jitsu, uh, good wrestling, great, great ground and pound. And I think that's what really separates him from a lot of the pack in the division. Um, it's just a matter of if Glover can wear the damage. Uh, we, we've seen you know plenty of times where Glover gets rocked and hurt throughout fights. 
And I think going up against such a power puncher in Jan Blahovich, he has to be very, very careful. I mean, he keeps his hands high, but sometimes some shots sneak through. And we've seen Glover to share on some wobbly legs at times. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know if this actually goes the distance, to be honest. I, I think that, you know, if it's a low volume affair, Glover can somewhat minimize mistakes. But, you know, you, you go back and you look at all the times Glover has been knocked out or actually been rocked in fights. And it's, you know, countless times. I think the pricing's very, very fair on this matchup of 9,000 and 7,200 respectively. I think Blahovich at 9,000 is somewhat of a steal in a championship matchup. Uh, he's going to have to, you know, either up his volume, defend some takedowns where he struggled at times early on in his career. And I think he started to really round out his wrestling, you know, defensive skills. But I am siding with Yad Blahovich in the matchup. Uh, I'll tell you what, you know, if you look at this card from top to bottom, a lot of these underdogs can come through. So like th- this is po- probably the most talented stacked underdog slate we've seen in a very, very long time. So if you w- if you feel good about an underdog, take a shot on them. I feel like Jan Blahovich is probably going to get, uh, you know, get rid of Jan, uh, Glover to share within three rounds or so. Uh, I think it could be, you know, competitive at times, but I am siding with Blahovich. Yeah, I kind of was looking at it in terms of the prop bets of this fight, looking at that over two and a half rounds, because I do think this fight is going to hit the third round. I, I don't mm-hmm. expect that it's going to be a fight uh, that does go you know, under two and a half rounds and looking at the over two and a half right now, uh, you know, looking across the board, looks like I get about minus 120 right now, um, some action over there. Um, you know, but this is going to be a fight that I think the longer it does go, the more it does favor Jan Blahovich. But like, I like what you said there, Pete. I think up all throughout this card, there's some underdogs. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? When I'm looking at throwing some chances on some fighters, there's certainly some fighters in there. I, I don't mind getting to the word share, even though I do like Jan Blahovich to win the fight. My only concern with Glover is if it's a 25-minute decision, um, even though, yes, it's a great value over on DraftKings, you know, kind of what it is in a 25-minute fight, what's the, the ceiling and what's the floor in a decision win for Glover? Yeah, I would, I would probably say that, you know, stacking is out this week. We have so many amazing underdogs that can come through. Somebody's going to come through. Multiple people are going to come through. Uh, stacking's just eliminated in my thought process. Uh, Glover needs to implement takedowns and try to really test the defensive skills of Blahovich. Uh, Blahovich needs to get a finish, I think, because a stand-up affair between these two, five rounds with probably no knockdowns or takedowns. I would imagine some stats would accrue, but he'd have to get him out of there at 9,000. You know, I, I look at the rest of this card and I just see that you're going to have a, a 700 point optimal lineup. And, uh, you know, can Blahovich get 120 in a five round decision? Probably not. I think he needs to knock him out and I think he end up will. Yeah, it should be a great matchup. And yeah, there are some other dogs, uh, particularly in cash, that I'm really looking at this week. We'll talk about uh, one of those here momentarily. Of course, appreciate everyone here on a Thursday afternoon, early Thursday show mm-hmm. here. Of course, we got coverage for you all day long right here on the Osmo YouTube channel. So stick tuned for NFL, NBA, and so much more coverage right here on the Osmo YouTube channel. Of course, uh, if you're not subscribed to Osmo right here on YouTube, got to do it. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel of course if you're not an also plus member and you want to get a peek behind the paywall today today's free premium data and tools our nfl showdown top plays nba player projection nhl ownership projections 
Pete the Heat was telling me a little before the show. We were both in the same NBA GPP last night. That's right. As uh, I was, I was literally kind of, uh, I, you know, I was throwing a couple of darts out there, and uh, yeah, Lamelo Ball definitely did not work out. Uh, you know, would, would have thought he was going to light the magic up last night. But you got to check out the great tools we have over at Osmo.com. It's the tools that I use every day in developing. Uh, this time of year, I'm pretty much all NBA, NBA and MMA. That's, that's what I'm doing there. So you got to check out all the great tools we have over there at Osmo.com. Now, the co-main event, interim bantamweight title matchup, Peter Yan taking on Corey Sanhagen, 8,800 for Yan, 7,400 for Sanhagen. Pete, you know what? I know you may not want to roster potentially a losing fighter or talking about 15 fight cards. If yeah. this thing goes 25 minutes, it would not shock me. Potentially Corey Sanhagen finds his way into some winning lineups. I, I mean, I don't know, man, this week, it just a, how many talented underdogs there are. I think you're going to need six victors. I really do. 7,400. The price is absolutely ridiculously cheap for Sanhagen. Um, I get what you're saying. Uh, I really like this fight. I think it's a fantastic matchup. I cannot wait to watch it. Um, you, you have a very competitive fight between these two. And I think Peter Yan will have the wrestling advantage whenever he decides to. He has awesome trips and takedowns. And I think that could actually, you know, sh show Sanhagen's Achilles heel. And that's been what's really, you know, abandoned him throughout some of his matchups is his defensive <clears throat> flaws in the wrestling department. Um, he's a fantastic striker. He's rangy for the, for the weight class. But I think Peter Yan's volume, his aggressiveness, and just his well-rounded skill set, I think will be too much in this matchup. I get what you're saying. I don't mind a dog shot at 7,400 for Corey Sanhagen. But I think Peter Yan is, is going to be a champ for a very, very long time. Um, I liked his prospect in the sport, and I like him even more to this day. I'm, I think that he's a smash play at 8,800. I'm actually surprised that he's not more expensive. So I think it's probably one of the best bargains at the upper echelon of the salary range. Yeah, I mean, if this, you know, I, I'm expecting that Pierre Yan is going to try to use his grappling this one. Now, the one thing is Yan does tend to get off the slow start, so I think that's mm -hmm. something you play into it. And, and I saw some numbers uh, on Twitter earlier this week, and by the way, uh, a great Twitter follower, Numbers MMA, throws out some great stats out there. Most significant strikes land per minute from distance in UFC bantamweight history. Only three fighters have a better number than Corey Sanhagen. Sanhagen's number 7.31. The guys in front of him, Louis Smolka, Sean O'Malley, and John Albert. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird list, right? Like when, you know, Louis Smolka's on the list, I kind of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, stats can sometimes be skewed. I, I think that that's an interesting stat for sure. He needs to fight at range. He needs to avoid getting, you know, you know Peter Young getting on the inside, but I think Peter Yan's just aggressiveness. He can walk him down, march him down. I wouldn't be surprised to see Yan get Sanhagen out of there. I do like Sanhagen overall. I thought he looked good in the Dillashaw fight. But again, it's the wrestling. It's the the yeah. lack of wrestling, I should say. The the lack of grappling skills in the in the Aljamain Sterling fight. Yeah, if it's just a striking affair, he has this, the tools, the explosiveness to get this done. So he's a part of the underdog pool for sure, but I'm leaning pretty heavily in the Peter Yan direction. Here's the other number that uh, MMA by numbers pointed out. Peter Yan against four opponents who've averaged less than 10 distance strikes per minute. He has a point, uh, has a 1.72 distance strike differential against four who have averaged greater than 10 in their career. It's only a 0.2 differential. Sanhagen, 16.35 attempts per minute. That's 34th best in UFC. And just kind of go deeper into those numbers. The opponents that Jan has gone against that uh, 
bring more than 10 strikes per minute. Aljamain Sterling, Jimmy Rivera, Douglas Silva de Andras, Jin So's son, the one that are less than 10, Jose Aldo, John Dotson, Uriah Faber, Taruto Ishihara. I mean, look, I'm with you. I think Peter Yan is the right way to go. But if this thing, if Corey Sanhagen had it play on the feed, man, I think Sanhagen's got to be a guy that's in your underdog. And, and, and every week on this show, you talk about you got to be looking at your underdogs in the main event and co-main event. Yeah, I mean, you prioritize main event, co-main event, underdogs. Makes sense. I'm just really not buying it. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm kind of like uh, blinded in the Peter Yon direction, and that's okay. Uh, you know, if if you feel a little bit more bullish about Sanhang and think that he can spoil them, uh, maybe I just don't see it, man. I really don't. I, I think Peter Yon walks right through Sanhang. He should. I mean, look, Peter Yan is an incredible talent, of course. Uh, you know, you, you look at the fact of uh, you only fought once in 2020, fought mm-hmm. earlier this year, a fight that, look, if he doesn't land the illegal knee, he, he's on his way to probably stopping Alchemy Sterling. It was the fight was going very badly uh, for Sterling at that point. And of course, the winner of this matchup will face Sterling in a unified title matchup sometime in 2022. Then we got a lightweight matchup between Dan Hooker and Islam Mahachev. Mahachev, 9,600. Dan Hooker, 6,600. I mean, look, I, I, you know, there's not a lot of guys who are signing up to take on Islam. Dan Hooker's like, yeah, I'll sign up. And, and look, it's, at the end of the day, he's going to have to stop the takedowns here. Um, it's it's a heavy price point on, on Islam in this matchup, um, you know. But man, it, it's if you can find a way to squeeze him in your lineup. I mean, you know, because of the takedowns, control time, he might be able to have the ability to rack up points. Pete, you know what's crazy is I, I think I'm okay with getting away from him this week. Truthfully, I, I really do. Um, it's only a three round fight. And I think that Islam Mahachev has showed some promise. Um, you know, if you think about the last fight against Tiago Moises, it was a four. It, you know, it ended in the fourth round because it was a main event. He only scored 117 and that's a lot, right? Like 117 is a lot, but you think about his style and how many takedowns he can possibly get in a matchup. I think he's overpriced. I think he's overpriced for a three round fight. And I think uh, Dan Hooker's severely underpriced. Um, I think Dan Hooker, has all the skills to make this a very difficult fight for Mahachev. Uh, he's a very tall guy, excellent striker, definitely the better striker than Mahachev. Do you think that he can frustrate him from the outside? I think that his wrestling defense early on in this career was, uh, you know, lackadaisical, but I think it's improved and we've seen him get some offensive takedowns. I, I don't think that he will go to that well, and he should not. He should avoid the, the exchanges as much as possible. He has a submission arsenal. Um, I'm telling you, if Mahachev's cardio is not up to par or what we're really seeing in MMA a lot now is if a wrestler just blankets an opponent and the other fighter is starting to land the more damaging strikes or they're, they're trying to be the more aggressive and you're talking about a couple minutes of control time versus a little bit more damage, judges are starting to really sway in the direction of the, the damaging fighters. And I think it's tricky sometimes, but it also depends on who's judging the fight. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Dan Hooker's way too cheap, 6,600, way too cheap. I will have him in there. I think in a loss, he could come through. I know I was just talking earlier about how San Hagen probably in a loss doesn't. 6,600, the, the salary gap between them is just ridiculous. Um, Mahachev's a stud. I just don't think that he's the same fighter that Habib Nurmagomedov is. I think he's talented. I think he's dominant. I think he's very, very good. Um, he has the submission skills to get Hooker out of there for sure. I just think he's too too expensive given the rest of this uh 
you know, given the rest of this slate, I think there's too many good options. Like you talk about Chamayev at 9,500. I, I, I'd rather get to Chamayev. Yeah, no, that's that's one. I don't know if you, you heard the emergency warning just go off my phone. Yeah. I thought it was me. Crap out of me. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was me, man, because we've been losing power. We we got crazy winds up here and trees falling down. So if I have there's to, a, just... a tornado warning in my area, apparently. So nope. uh, you know, we'll prioritize yeah. life over awesome old MMA DFS shows. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. uh yeah, that, that definitely I was like, what the you know, oh man, you know, sometimes it happens when you're sitting here in the office, but of course, uh, we do appreciate everyone sitting here. So, somebody should note Dan Hooker, five inch reach advantage in this matchup. Yes. He's got to keep this front of the feet. I mean, it, it's you know, we're not breaking any news here. I mean, I think everyone you, knows that. I'll tell you right now, non DFS related, I'm picking Hooker to win with my heart. Well, not, not even you know. Not taking logic into it at all. I think that like he has the skills to to pull the upset. I really do. Um, for DFS, he's just too cheap. That's that's basically my argument for there. I think he's too cheap given the matchup, given the you, you, the durability. You think about how he fought Dustin Poirier. He's sixty six hundred. That is like crazy, crazy cheap. And if you think about Onama last week, he was really, really cheap, and he had a yeah. extremely competitive fight against Mason Jones. Yeah. And I thought that he was going to be on his way to being a part of an optimal lineup. Yeah, no, it, it was a great performance that Onama had there. I mean, the hooker thing, I, I I guess I can't get the the knockout loss to channel out of my mind. Yeah, but Mahachev's not knocking him out. No, he he's does, not, but he, I just don't know if he's going to be able to stop the takedowns. That, that's my concern with it. Right. I mean, that, that, that's fair, right? Like, Mahachev's talented. But that's the one thing that's a difference for me is Mahachev's pace. He's very, very calculated. He, yeah. he waits back a little bit and his lack of volume and lack of like, we'll say, um, I don't know. It's it, there's, there's no desire to finish the fight super early. He's not yeah. really a ground and pound specialist. He's a submission specialist, whereas Habib was a ground and pound specialist. So that I think the, the lack of points given his salary is why I'm just, I'm okay with being a little bit underweight to him. Yeah, I'm with you there. Of course, this is the also MMA strategy shows. We're getting you ready for Saturdays. UFC 267, when you want to get access to all the great premium tools and data over awesome.com, you want to sign up for an awesome plus weekly pass for $29.95. And if you're a new user of also plus platinum, you can take advantage of the deal we have going on right now. When you use the promo code MMA strategy show, that's one word, all caps, MMA strategy show for 25% off your first week of also plus platinum. And of course, if you just want to MMA weekly pass, those passes start as low as $295. I'll be putting in my UFC pro place here later on today all the great tools like the top fire tool really is a tool that i'm always looking at trying to figure out the leverage spots that we'll go to uh and of course uh, the ownership projections that uh, alex puts together as a, a core part of my putting together so be sure to use that promo code mma strategy show if you're a new user of also plus buy up for 25 percent off your first week next up we got a heavyweight matchup with alexander volkov and marcin tybura uh, volkov a900 Marcin Tybura, seventy three hundred. Um, and this is another one that, I, when I think about my underdog pool, Marcin Tybura is probably going to be in it. Obviously, the, the size and and length of Alexander Volkov are, are some concerns for me. But at the end of the day, it's heavyweight MMA. If I, and if I want to take a dart, uh, I'm always going to look at a heavyweight fight. Yeah, it's a great great logic behind that. Um, yeah, I think that heavyweight MMA and women's MMA is pretty volatile, and we always talk about you know, making sure you have exposure to the underdog and Marcin Tabor 2.0, I should say, he looks, he looks good. And, you know, as of late, he's on a run 
you know, we, we talk about multiple wins, Spivak, Grishin, Rothwell, Hardy, Harris, like that, that's pretty good competition. And his well-rounded skill set is what really makes him such a live underdog. He's able to strike. He's able to grapple. He's able to wrestle. He's able to find finishes. Um, and we've, we've seen Alexander Volkov struggle in the takedown defensive part, uh, department before, but I think the length can somewhat nullify that. And if you look at who Volkov's fight, I think it's really ballooned because of the Curtis blades fight. Um, outside of that, he's fought legitimate competition, top end of the division, yeah. uh, Cyril gone Overeem, Harris blades, Hardy, like when he's on, he's on. And I think that he can make Marcin Tybora sit and duck at times, keep him at the end of his punches, pick him apart from range. I like Volkov in the matchup. I think that he's, he's so heavy now compared to what he used to be. And that, that weight, I think has served him well. He's able to put some real good pop behind his shots, more of a volume guy, but it really wouldn't surprise me to see him get Tybor out of there. 8,900. It's tough this week. You're going to have to prioritize certain mm-hmm. fighters and, you know, uh, create groups over on awesome.com using the fantasy cruncher tool. I like Volkov in the matchup, but uh, it's, it's more like a, you know, I'd say 80% of the time, I think Vol- probably 70% of the time Volkov wins this matchup, but uh, you know, 7,300 for Tybor. He is too cheap given his uh, well-rounded skill set and live dog like uh, capability in this, in this given fight. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things with Volkov at that price point. I think you got, you got to be kind of looking at the ownership angle. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I, I'd much rather there, there's some 9,000 options. I, I'd rather just pay up to get to, uh, you know, especially with, with some of those fighters that have that ability to, uh, you know, with the takedown aspect, we're going to talk about here in Shemayev here in a moment. Um, but really that that's where you got to look at the ownership and maybe see, can you get a lever spot? If, if you like the, the spot that Volkov is in there in terms of an ownership aspect, I think that's something to potentially look at in terms of that. Now, speaking of Hanzat Shemaya, first time back in a year, taking on Lee Jialing. Uh, you got to pay a big price point here for uh, Hamzat, 9,500, 6,700 for Ja I think this is a great test for Chimaev. I mean, I, in a way I kind of wonder is if the UFC is still kind of rushing him a little bit here. Um, you know, we saw after that tremendous run he went on last year on fight Island, that, that there was definitely a rush to get him in there against top 10 competition. But you know, as I really took a deeper dive into this fight, Pete, the thing that really stuck out to me is when John Ling has gone up against fighters who are going to grapple, we've mm-hmm. seen him struggle in those matchups. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that, you know, Hamza Shemaya is one of my favorite prospects in, in the entire sport. And I actually view him as uh, a champ within the next three years. If if everything keeps going the way it is, uh, I really have high hopes for Hamza Shemaev. Um, if you look at Lee Jingliang's, you know, career, he was taken down four times by Neil Magny, twice by Jake Matthews, uh, Frank Camacho, Bobby Nash, Anton Zafir. All these guys are able to land takedowns against them. And I don't think that's uh, that's good when you're paired up against Hamza Shemaev. Obviously, I'm a little worried about the layoff. I'm a little worried about the inactivity after being the most, you know, active fighter out there for the the given six months he was active in the UFC. Uh, Li Jingliang has fought the tougher competition. He's fought the more notable UFC names. I mean, just knocked out Santiago Ponzinibbio, and Ponzinibbio is a stud. Um, Neil Magny, Zaleski Dos Santos. I could keep going on and on. He's fought legitimate competition. But that does not mean that Hamzat Shemaev is not prepared for this. I think that no matter what, given his meteoric rise within the division, it was kind of inevitable that he was going to be paired up with a tough test. And this is a very tough test. If he goes through Li Jingliang, I'm telling you right now, if he goes through him 
like a hot knife through butter, it's over. I, I think he is able to, uh, you know, really contend for the, for the title. And I think that he could be a champion within the next three years. So I love the price point on Hamzat Shemaev. I will be a little, I'm not going to say underweight. I'll probably be even with the field because of his just amazing potential, his takedowns, his, his knockout ability. I mean, in his three UFC fights, he scored over 120 in each of them. Uh, granted, they, they finished within the first two rounds. So what happens if he's unable to get Li Jing Liang out of there? Does he really still pay off that ridiculous 9,500 price tag? I'm going to say, yeah, more times than not, he does. So I, I like him quite a bit. Jing Liang's stupid cheap and is, you know, one of the most live underdogs if he can connect some punches. But uh, I, I'm weighing heavily on the Hamza Shemaev side. I mean, look, this is my, and look, I'm with you. I, I think it, it's play Shemaev and, and kind of, you know, if you can fit him in your, in your lineup, that, that's really the big question there. Right. Um, you know, and, and I'll tell you one of the things that I will do is, is I'll go in the fantasy cruncher. And what I'll do is I'll just lock him in. And then I'll say, give me a hundred, you know, give me how many lines, 20 lines, hundred lines, how many? Cause then I just want to see what are the lines that get spit out and yeah. see, okay, by paying up for that, what's it going to do to the rest of my line of construction? So that's just a little, that's something that I do uh, in, in terms of going over on fantasy cruncher. My only two concerns with Tremayev, um heading into this one is first fight since uh, all the medical issues he had with COVID, Correct. of course he briefly retired and then, uh, you know, the dictator basically said, no, you're not retired. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the, and the other aspect of it is we've not seen him deal with adversity. And, and so it's kind of a question of, that's always something you want to see out of a fire. How do they handle adversity in a fight? How do they bounce back? You know, you think about last night, Ray Cooper, obviously has been in this game for a long time. Yeah. deals with adversity. It comes back and, and has a beautiful knockout uh, to win a million dollars. And uh, gotta say, I saw Dave Doyle tweet this last night. Why is everyone asking Ray Cooper to go to the UFC to take a pay cut? Yeah, for real. I mean, if you if you are a fighter on the way up, if you if you have an avenue of making a million dollars, I would much rather do that. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, Ray Cooper, that was fantastic, and you know it, it just shows you how crazy MMA is at times. Um, I am a little, I shouldn't say worried, but uh, um, it's it's tough when I hear about how bad Hamzat's COVID situation was, and then they you know, the UFC basically got behind him and, and said, we're going to get you all the medical help you need. We're going to get you back to hundred percent. And then there was multiple times where he had to pull out of fights because he just did not either feel himself. He did not have, you know, uh, the best confidence given his, his performance and training or whatnot. But now we're here some time ago. And I'd like to believe that he's kind of patched those, those medical issues, you know? And, and I think that Hamza Shumayev, I think I will, I'll be even with the field. And I think that he's going to have another breakout performance here. Uh, I, I'm just a little worried. Then our opening matchup of the uh, main card on ESPN plus will be a light heavyweight matchup. Ankalaev taking on Ozemir Ankalaev 9,100. Ozemir 7,100. Ankalaev is an interesting play for me this week. Interesting is what, as in how? I think I'm going to be over the field on him. As yeah, opposed to what we're currently seeing in terms of ownership. I haven't even peaked that ownership yet. Um, I can't wait to see it, but I, I really do like Inkalaev here. And I think that Vulcan Ozdemir coming off that ridiculously bad knockout against that Yuri Prohoshka, you know, we, he's, he's a fighter that goes for it, but I also worry about Vulcan's cardio and Vulcan's, you know, striking defense. And I do view, you know, Inkalaev as one of the best prospects in this division. I like him. I like the 9,100 price tag. 
you're going to have to get a little contrarian this week in certain areas and maybe fading, not fading, but being a little underweight to like a, uh, Mahachev or Chemayev and going more towards an Inkalayev with the four or $500 savings. Maybe that's the route to go. I do like Inkalayev inside the distance. I think that he puts away Ozemir. I, I'm with you there as well. And you know the number I'm looking at. Just saying. You yes. know the number I, I like to look at. Just saying. Yes. Inkalayev is going to be someone that I'm going to be looking at and put in terms of my GPP lineups. Uh, next up, we got a female matchup Amanda Hebos versus uh, Verna Jandaroba. This is your favorite, A200, 8,000 fight. I was actually surprised to see that Amanda Hebos is a favorite in this one. I hate this fight because it's, you know, we had such high expectations for Amanda Hebos because she looked really, really good. Um, now, was that based on skill or strength of schedule? Um, you know, whenever you get a win over Mackenzie Dern, that's big because Mackenzie Dern's a huge name in the sport. But we can see now that Mackenzie Dern's not really the same level MMA fighter that, that she was for Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor. And I think it's going to take some time and some adjustments to her style, really getting some better wrestling, but a, a fighter like Amanda Hebos able to somewhat defend and also counter some takedowns and land some of her own against Mackenzie Dern's what got her that victory. And now we're talking about, you know, her past three fights, uh, Randa Marcos, Paige Manzant and Marina Rodriguez. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad, unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, the, the loss to Marina Rodriguez is, I can't get that out of my head of how much damage she took and also how much of a horrible call that was on the referee and officials part of how she basically got knocked out twice. Um, this salary range usually tends to make it into the optimal lineup. And this is women's MMA. I'm a little... I don't know. I, I'm a little confused with this matchup, to be honest, because uh, I think that Jana Roba has some fantastic jiu-jitsu skills. And because of her willingness to go to the mat, she's she's able to let her hands go. And that confidence in her ground game allows her striking to be a little bit more effective. And you saw that in her last fight against uh, Murata, where she was able to just let her hands go and not worry if she gets taken down, if she brings her hips too far forward, whatnot. What are you going to do? I'm going to throw hands at you. And if you don't respect it, then I'm going to land my shots. And if you do start to respect that, I can, you know, I can snatch your hips and, and land a takedown a little bit easier. Maybe Jana Roba pulls this off, Jason. Maybe she does at 8,000. I'm kind of leaning in that direction. Yeah, I'm leaning in the Jana Roba section as well. I mean, you know, you, you look at the fact of her two losses in the UFC, Mackenzie Dern, uh, Carlos Spars. I mean, Carlos Spars, she'll be fighting for a, a title we would expect sometime mm-hmm. in, in early 2022. I just don't know if I really want to trust Amanda Hebos. Uh, I'm actually kind of surprised in this match. I thought they would have given her um, a little bit of a different opponent in, in terms yeah. of this one. But uh, it, it's a fight that I was I was thinking about earlier today. I was like, man, do, do we have to prioritize this fight just because of salary? I don't know because do we see a finish coming? That's basically what we have to put our finger I, on. I, do 
I think if it comes, it's it comes in third round. Okay. Um, I, I think that Amanda Hebos is surrounded by uh, talented fighters down American top team. She's fantastic in all areas. Uh, the striking defense, she was cracked and wobbled and knocked out in her past fight. So a fighter like Jana Robo, who's really, you know, you probably won't respect Jana Robo's hands, but she's going to try to test that chin of Amanda Hebos. And that's what me as a coach, I would say is, Hey, let's test that chin of hers, get her hands yeah. up. And then we can shoot on the hips a little bit easier. So, uh, I'm siding with Jana Robo, but it's it's weird, right? Because we have so many fights, so many amazing matchups. I see a lot of finishes on this card. So if they don't score over 100 points, are either of them optimal? No, I don't think so. So um, I'm leaning a little bit in the Jana Robo direction, but I think that mm. I, don't, I don't really see this being an optimal fight. No, I mean, it's for me, it more comes down to the price point. And I just wonder when I start doing, uh, all, you know, my mass crunches of, of how much this fight is going to come up in my crunch course. So we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight with Monkey Knife Fight. You are in charge of their player props. Of course, you can start over at monkeyknifefight.com. When you sign up, be sure to use that promo code AWESOMO for an instant first match deposit of up to $100. But let's take a look at the main event and co-main event over at Monkey Knife Fight. Total strikes landed. Blahovich, 108 and a half. Glover, 62 and a half. I'm saying less on both. I, I, I think that there's, I mean, there is a way, but I, I don't really view Glover taking that many shots from Mr. Polish power. I, I see less on both. Yeah, I mean, I, I would probably agree with you there. It's just because I, I just, so if, if we're talking uh, Behovich landing over 100 strikes, I think at, at some point he's going to drop them. So it probably goes a little less there. And then in the co main event, you got Jan and Sanhagen. Jan, 126 and a half. Sanhagen, 89 and a half. It's a big number, uh, but it's a band weight fight. You could see a, a ton of volume in this one. Yeah, we're going to say more for both. At least I am. I'm going to say more for both. I, I think that given the weight class and you know, the five rounds, I think the, the totals are going to get ballooned. Uh, San Hagen's amazing. He, he really is. So he's going to test Peter Yan, but I think Peter Yan's going to be able to walk through him. Well, I'll tell you this. I look on the screen here. People are hammering the under the less on John Blahovich number down to one oh one and a half Glover 58 and a half. And look, I, I did my sheet about three hours ago. That's one of the things I, I tell you about over at monkey knife fight yeah. is you got to get on these lines early on in the week because people are going to start hammering them. So you want to try to get the best number you can. I mean, look, if you think that number is going to be greater than 102, 103, Maybe you just kind of wait and see if that line goes down more and more. That's one of the things I always say with Monkey Knife Fight. You got to take advantage over there. Let's move on to the next matchup on the card, which is uh, Ramos and Tugurov. 7,900 for Ramos, 8,300 for Zabura. What is your thoughts on this one, Pete? Uh, Zubaira Tukagov, he has takedown ability. He definitely does. He's a good wrestler. Um lackadaisical striking. I, I think that anybody that can test his cardio at times can give him some problems. He's fought some good competition. I'm just not really, you know, I don't know. He's not really living up to the hype for me. I think a fighter in Ricardo Ramos, a guy that has a well-rounded skill set, good striker coming from a solid camp, has good offensive takedowns. Hopefully he can defend some takedowns. I think he can make this ugly. And I think this could be another situation of the blanket versus the damage. And I think that Tukugov is going to look to blanket Ramos at times, but Ramos is mm. going to be active and start to land some better strikes or start to really push the pace. So I'm going to take an underdog shot on Ricardo Ramos. Um, you know, outside of that loss to uh, Lerone Murphy, I, I 
think that he's looked really, really good. Obviously, he lost in Romagna Madoff, but I, I'll say I, I think that he has a well-rounded skill set and can test most, most fighters in the division. He's 15-3 and three overall. Um, I'm going to side with him at 7,900. I like the little discount. Not really buying the hype on Tugugov, but if Tugugov is able to survive or, or somewhat develop a better game plan, I think that you could see a, a sneaky total at 8,300 given his, his takedowns, but it's the lack of striking volume that really does it for me because mm-hmm. – in a draw against uh, Lerone Murphy, landed six takedowns, uh, only scored 55. So if he got that victory, it only been 85 points, but has a, a knockout, one knockout win against Aguilar, scored 121 points. I don't really foresee that happening again. So I'll be underweight to Tukugov. Uh, big money in Jay. Appreciate you in the super chat. Also, Samuel, appreciate you as well. We'll get to your questions at the end of the show. Do want to try to get, we got 15 fights, try to get all these fights in here before we get out of here on this edition of the strategy show. Of course, myself and Pete will be back here Saturday morning, 9 30 a.m. Eastern time for live okay. before lock. Uh, you got Kopalov and derived derived 9,200, 7,000 for Roman. Um, uh, let me just say, I, I, I think that obviously people are going to look at the favor in this one. Mm-hmm. do you give roman a 20 percent chance yeah i do um i think that he was a highly touted prospect outside the ufc uh came into the ufc against uh, carl roberson and carl roberson looked good able to land a takedown and ended up you know being able to submit him kopalov i don't think showed his his true skill set in that matchup could have been ufc octagon jitters who knows um obviously he is pretty young in the sport but I really do like uh, Albert Durayev here in this matchup. I thought that he looked amazing uh, on the on the Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, got a early, early finish, three minutes in the first round, submission neck crank over a uh, cow bitten court. And, uh, it, you know, even outside the UFC, Durayev's been a guy that I thought was going to get catapulted into the UFC somewhat immediately. Um, I like him here in this matchup. I do think that Kopilov is going to be better than what he showed in his debut. If he is not, then I would probably label him somewhat as a bust into the UFC. Um, he has skills, and I think he's starting to really mature into his body a little bit. I think he was relatively immature in his debut and kind of came into the UFC a little too early against pretty pretty tough competition, Carl Roberson. Say what you want about Carl Roberson, but to, de- to debut against him in the UFC is, is a tough task. Um, I'm going to side with Derive 9,200. I think he's a sneaky play, uh, could have some sneaky ownership given – you know, you talk about Chemaev and Mahachev, all these, you know, high 9,000 options. This could be a guy somewhat flying under the radar that could, you know, have a, an amazing score in a dominant win. Uh, next up, we got Dos Santos and Dennis. Dos Santos, 8,500. He's been around the UFC for some time now. Yeah. And then his opponent here at 7,700 on DK. Uh, obviously, tell me a little bit about his opponent, Pete. Yeah, I'll say uh, Bernard Saint-Denis is, um, you know, he's, He's talented. He really is. Um, I think that, you know, Zaleski Dos Santos has fought, obviously, the better competition and has 30 fights and been in the UFC for quite some time. St. Denis is, is a submission guy um, looking to snatch up arm triangle chokes, uh, arm bars, uh, and, and he likes to target the neck. And I like guys that try to capture the neck because that's that's uh, something that occurs a lot when, when fighters get tired. Uh, they start to get desperate and they start to leave the neck out there. I don't really foresee... Uh, Zaleski Dos Santos leaving his neck out there. I mean, he is a BJJ black belt and has, you know, multiple, multiple submission wins and knockout loss, uh, knockout wins. Uh, he was submitted back in 2013, 2013 via rear naked choke. So that is a little interesting if, you know, the 
if he's not really the same fighter he used to be, but I'll have to side with the veteran here in Zaleski Dos Santos. I, I like him. I don't know at 8,500 how much I like him because in, in some wins it's been 70 points, 85 points. There's better options probably. And I do think that St. Denis is a guy that, you know, given correct matchups could actually have some amazing performances. I just think this is a lot to handle in your first UFC fight. And what happens? Well, how does he look in rounds, you know, two and three, if he's unable to get an early finish. So I will be siding with Zaleski Dos Santos. I think that his Brazilian jiu-jitsu is going to keep him out of danger. And I think he's obviously the better striker of the two. Next up, we got Shamil and Mahayo. Shamil, 8,400. Mahayo, 7,800. God, I hate this fight. I hate this fight, man. Um, Gamzatov, a guy that, I don't know, somewhat underwhelming, scored 60 points in his debut against uh, Clidson Obreu. Um, you know, marches forward, likes to throw strikes. On the regional scene, he does mix in some takedowns, and I think that can be interesting. Uh, you know, it's it's not really like his ace up his sleeve. It's kind of just like if it's there, he'll take it at an opportune time. Uh, Ola Shechuk is one of the most inconsistent guys ever uh, that I can really remember. Some moments he looks like a guy that can be contending for the belt, and some moments it looks like a guy that trains only one facet of his game. And uh, his takedown defense is always lacking, it seems. I thought that he made some strides. He has the better striking, probably the better hands of the two. I'll say uh, the, the kick advantage will probably go to uh, Gamzatov. Just throw some some good round kicks at times. Uh, Ola Shechuk's volume, um, aggressiveness, and finishing ability is going to make him a popular underdog at seventy eight hundred against a relatively underwhelming fighter in Gamzatov. But I'm going to temper expectations. Still, I'll have exposure to Ola Shechuk, but I d- I still think a guy that can you know walk you down and Gamzatov and mix in takedowns when when he needs to? I think that he can actually uh, you know pull off the victory here. This is one of my least favorite fights on the card, uh, probably just because I don't trust either one of these guys. So I do view this fight as a GPP fight, but one that I'm not really like comfortable targeting either one of them. Uh, you know, given the volatility. So if we're keeping track, we've got yes. two fights. Pete is not exactly high on the other one being Jana Roba and Rebus. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like the it's weird because they are they're they can be competitive at times and they can, you know, their strengths can somewhat nullify each other at times. And it just mm-hmm. I label it ugly. And if I label a fight ugly, I'll probably, you know, temper expectations and somewhat minimize exposure if I'm a if I'm a safe player. And I, I'm a safe player for the most part. If I want to be ridiculous and risky, then these ugly fights that I'm branding, I'd probably be a little bit more aggressive on. Yeah, man. Look, we, you saw it last week. You know, if you were aggressive and went with someone like a Bruce Leroy, a Ronda right. Marcos. I mean, look, right. I, 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 I picked Ronda Marcos to win last week. I didn't think she was going to be optimal. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, that was awesome, awesome call with that. Uh, you know, I thought that there was a path, but when I saw her score, I watched the fight, and then I saw her score. I'm like, yeah, she's probably going to get, I don't know, let's say 88 points, maybe 90 points. And I saw her score. I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Um. She was she was awesome. She looked great. She might might have looked career best. But that's how you separate yourself, especially mm-hmm. in these big GPPs. And you know, it's always, you know, my mindset of when I'm playing cash, suppose a GPP is gonna be different cash. I'm looking for more of a safer lineup. Yeah. Where these GPPs, especially like you know, you're in these contests. I've got twenty thousand entries. It's a multi-entry contest. You just know you're gonna have to differentiate yourself somewhere in that equation, especially when we're talking about MA. You really, you really got, I think you got to look at is who are those fighters 7,500 and below 
that you, that you say, okay, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on those fighters. I mean, I, I think that's going to be easy this week to say mm-hmm. Corey Sanhagen, 7,400, yeah. Glove Sheriff, 7,200, because they are in five-round matchups. Right. I mean, I for me, right, like I try not to predict scores so much because that that's very difficult to do. I try to predict outcomes. And, uh, you know, you saw that Reina Marcos had a path, you know, to a victory. And if you were just a little bit heavier on her because you had that, you know, inkling where you think that she could come through and you had exposure to her, obviously you did well. You know, who would have really predicted a hundred point performance? I, I don't think too many people. Of course, one of the things that uh, we always mention, love seeing those screenshots after a fights are over. We mentioned about right at the beginning of the show, Death Flower 74 taking down Crazy. first place last week in the DraftKings GDP, walk away with $100,000. And uh, man, I'll just say that, set some money aside, set some money aside. Yeah. Yeah. Probably set about 40% of that money to the side because Uncle Sam is going to come calling at some point. Of course, if you want to get uh, in the Osmo Hall of Fame, the first thing you got to be doing is you got to be rocking that Osmo avatar. You can get that over at slash avatar. Place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants. Tweet your wins to at Osmo HOF. You win a free month of Osmo Plus Platinum. Only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year. Of course, right at the top, got our guy, I'm sure. Okay, taking out a hundred thousand dollars there in the NBA cons. By the way, that's also free content, free content over at also.com. Adam's deeper dive article every day in the NBA. You gotta check out that great content there. Also, you gotta look at uh TO Deck taking down uh with the Colt there having the uh, same lines as uh Steve Buzzard had there, also uh in the mini max there. Uh, Milk 24 coming in there as well. So you see all the screenshots there up on the screen. So uh, always oh love God. seeing those wins over there and uh, hope to see your wins on Saturday early afternoon. See, I'll be I'll be in the air on a plane as the main event co-main event going. So I land New Orleans. I want to see my Twitter timeline flooded with screenshots. Yeah, for real. Damn. Uh, Adam, Adam took down 100K last night. Wow. That's a hell of a lineup. I'm looking at it right now. That is fantastic. Congrats to him. Yeah, I love seeing the screenshots. Uh, we love seeing your guys, you know, succeeding and all that stuff. It, it's cool. Uh, it'd be it'd be nice to hit a hit a little hundred k though. I gotta I gotta tell you, uh, J- Jason, we gotta hit that hundred k. Tyler, we gotta hit that hundred k. Uh, yeah, it, yeah. As my wife wants to get our kitchen redone, that would help out a lot. That would, yeah, help right. out, that would pay for the kitchen remodel. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, next up, we have got uh, Makwan Americani taking on Lerone Murphy. Lerone Murphy, mm. one of those 9,000 ops this week, 9,300. Americani, 6,900. Uh, tough spot here for Americani. Yeah, I think so, too. Like, uh, Lerone Murphy and Hamza Shemayev will probably be two parlay pieces for me. Uh, and uh, anytime that you can combine what I'll say is relatively safe fighters or relatively safe picks, you're not going to get the best odds, but you're going to get a, you know, an okay parlay, which, which is what I like. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's okay to be a little risky at times, but I think a guy in Lerone Murphy's uh, a style that's somewhat of a nightmare for Makwan or Mirakani. Yes. Uh, Lerone Murphy was taken down six times against Zuberi Tukugov, but outside of that, when he's faced off against guys that are so willing to take him to the, to the ground and trying to really get desperate at times for takedowns, he's able to punish them. I mean, look what he did to Ricardo Hamos. Um, you know, Douglas Silva de Andrade took him to the mat, but getting a win over Douglas Silva de Andrade, I think is still notable even at this day and age. I, I really do. I think Lerone Murphy, just on that bully style, can somewhat make Makwan Amirkani the nail in this situation. And I think Lerone Murphy's going to be the hammer uh, in this fight. I think Makwan Amirkani probably had better uh, better matchups. And I think that, you know, you know, getting takedowns, a lot of takedowns against Kim Wella Kirk 
he goes crazy early on with so much offensive takedowns and offensive grappling that he exhausts himself. And that's where you see a second or third round, you know, knockout possibly coming for Lerone Murphy. Yes, he has been pretty durable, but the exhaustion and just the amount of damage that he does wear at times is why I'm siding so much with Lerone Murphy. And I think a guy that can be, you know, at 9,300, it's tough to really advocate for him given, you know, Hamza, Mahachev, uh, Duraev, all these other amazing studs at this price range. But Lerone Murphy is very, very sneaky. And I think that he can get him out of there uh, probably in the second or third round. So I'm siding with him significantly, but there are tons of good 9,000 options. So if you say you like Hamzat more, I don't blame you. Uh, next up, we've got Hugh and Petrosky. Petrosky, 8,600, 7,600 on the other side of the fight. Petrosky, of course, we saw on the ultimate fighter. Uh, and now in this spot here, uh, do you like the favorite? Nope. Nope, I do not. Um, and the reason I don't like the favorite in this situation is uh, he just, I would label him untrustworthy. And even if going back to the ultimate fighter, you look at his gas tank, it's somewhat suspect. He exhausts himself. He kind of reminds me a lot of Amir Khani. Uh, obviously a lot of, you know, weight difference between the two, but how amazing they are in the wrestling and grappling department and how desperate they can get at times shooting takedowns and, seem what seem lost on the feet at times. And then come rounds two and three, they obviously they're fatigued. Wrestling's exhausting. It really is. It's one of the most exhausting things you can do, but it's the fighters that can pace themselves and fighters that can really take their foot off the gas pedal and apply it when they need to is what separates a lot of fighters. A guy who just acts like it's a one round fight is somewhat volatile. And Petroski 8,600 could go out there and walk right through Yao Zhang Yao Zhang's the wild card of the week. We don't really know a lot about him. He was supposed to fight, you know, coming off of a, a, a massive weight cut, and that fight ended up getting scrapped. But I do think that Yao Zhang in this weight class can can pose some problems for people. Uh, if you know, and and the the people I'm saying that he can pose problems for are the people that are somewhat sitting ducks because they're exhausted. So a fighter like Andre Petrosky, is he if he's able to just give a little resistance to some takedowns and make Petrosky work. I think that he's the better striker of the two. He has some good hands, uh, obviously relatively green, three and two overall. His his takedown defense looked a little suspect, and his his uh, you know submission defense did not look good early on in his career. I just there's so many unknowns that it's not a confident pick, but I'm going to say that who Yao Zhang is going to pull off the upset, and it's more so of fading Petrosky than really on anything I've seen from Yao Zhang because. In the Gilmore fight, I was like, man, if Gilmore is able to somewhat turn things around, like Petrosky looks like he could basically, you know, lose the fight for himself. And that that that's the problem. So I'm siding with Yao Zhang, 7,600. Not a confident play by any means, but definitely, you know, in GPP consideration, as, you know, especially for my underdog selections. Magomed and Demir. Demir, 8,700. Uh, Magomed, 7,500. What's your take? <sighs> amazing skills between both of these guys. Demir is amazing. Uh, Mustafaev is amazing. I don't know, man. I, I really don't know how to side with this. Demir is very good. But Mustafaev is able to, to really, you know, threaten people on the feet. More of a, a KO or finished guy um, or bust. Can he really get Demir out of there? 
I'm probably going to lean in Demir's, you know, corner, but this is again, another fight of mine that another fight on this card that I really don't really like, really don't have a strong lean one way or another. I don't really like it for GPPs. I think they can negate each other at times and it could end up resulting in a, a low score. So I'm okay being a little underweight to this fight, but I will be leaning in Demir's side. I think the takedowns could possibly be the, the difference maker here. Mustafaev can get takedowns himself. He scored eight against Brad Riddell, but Brad Riddell's a striker. I, I don't really view, you know, his takedown prowess to be the same in this matchup against Ismagulov. Opening fight of the night, we've got a 9,400 option, a 6,800 option. Do we got to prioritize the first fight of the night, Pete? I know. I mean, I don't know. I, I'll say that 9,400 is a ridiculous price tag for Ulanbekov. Uh, Ulanbekov, he didn't really live up to the hype in his debut against Silva, but it's also starting to show that Silva is a little bit more talented than, than what a lot of people would like to imagine. He's a tough debut, you know, a debut fight for anybody. Now I think he's going to get a much easier fight against Nasamento. I've seen Nasamento on his back at times. And I think that Lombakov landing five takedowns against Silva, you know, you have my attention. Can he get him out of there? He's a sleeper for sure. 9,400. I'm siding pretty, pretty heavily with Lombakov, but on the feet, his defensive skills are somewhat, you know, uninspiring. I, I think that he can get hit with shots. If Nasamento is able to just get aggressive and throw caution to the wind, we could be looking at a guy that maybe from a live betting perspective could rock him a little bit and, and give us a little bit better odds for Ulambikov. But I think the more well-rounded fighters Ulambikov, and I'm going to side with him in the matchup. Uh, there's just so many 9,000 studs out there that I don't really know if I want to get to him. Of course, we get some rapid fire questions before we get out of here. Of course, coming yep. up next is the NHL strategy show, strategy show. So keep it locked here to awesome.com and uh, be sure to be subscribed. Also right here on YouTube, got a ton of great programming for you. As I look down, we've got you locked and loaded all day leading up to the NFL showdown show leading into tonight's NFL game. We also got the NBA coverage as well. So keep it locked here all day long. Let's uh, hit up Samuels, uh, his usual question. So we'll do a little rapid fire here. Uh, let's first start off top two cash plays. Uh, Chemaev would be my number one cash play. And, and uh, my number two cash play might be Ankalaev. Okay. I like Laurel Murphy too. I think it's like a three-way tie. Uh, in terms of GPPs, I think you got to be looking at the co-main event. Um, I would be looking at Peter Yan in, in the co-main event, especially mm-hmm. if he can go down that takedown route. And I would also put Chemaev in that list, the top two GPPs. I love it. I, I do like it. MVP, um, and there's a couple that I, I really look at. I look at Ankhalaev, I look at Chemayev, uh, I look at Jan, um, and, and maybe Lerone Murphy as as a as, as kind of that under the radar MVP champion type play. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, we're kind of on the same page with these nine thousand and high end options. I think they they all are live to get finishes and dominant performances. So that's why we're really prioritizing those fighters. Uh, fights to be part of the optimal lineup. I'd be fairly surprised the co-main event's not in the optimal lineup. Yeah, the pace of it's crazy. I'd have to say the co-main event's going to be in it. I think the Chimaev Jing Liang fight's going to be in the optimal lineup, given just the the aggressiveness of both fighters. Um, outside of that, it gets a little ugly. It gets a little weird. You talk about the Lerone Murphy and Amir Khani fight. Just the pace of that Petrosky and how Yao Zhang. Uh, the volatility of you know, both of those fighters, I'd probably say Petrosky and Yao Zhang is another one that I would start to prioritize. Uh, favorite inside the distance fights for me, I would go uh, Chimaev, Jaling, uh, Ankalaev, Ozdemir. Mm-hmm. And 
I was going to throw a third one in there. Bohovich to share. Yeah, I, I would agree with all those, man. You're on, you're on the money. Um, I think Blahovich gets to share out of there. Uh, outside of that, we could see, I see some decisions. So I, I'm interested to see what this line is going to be for finishes. All right. Sam sets his number. First off, Sam, just going to let you tell you, man. you got to put a 0.5 after the number. You got you to <laughs> give a half because that, you know, uh, he sets like, his number at seven. I would set the number bro, at eight they, and a half. Bro, that can't be a tie. What are you, what are you doing, Sam? <laughs> You're supposed to, again, you hear Marty, you're, you're upsetting Marty in the background. Um, so what are you setting it at? Eight and a half. Eight and a half, brother. Mm, man, eight and a half. Ooh, uh, Tyler's giving me the over eight and a half. I think everybody naturally wants to hit the over, and I'll probably agree with that. I'll say, I'll say over. I'll say yeah, nine. But- of course, that is going to do it for this edition of the Also MMA Strategy Show. We'll be back on Saturday morning, early showtime, 9.30 a.m. each time as lock is at 10.30 a.m. So make sure you remember that one early lock time on Saturday. So that's going to do it for us as, uh, of course, uh, the NHL Strategy Show title. I have no idea what you're saying to me. Tyler's <laughs> saying something to me. Uh, oh, straight I'll, fight uh, picks. Uh, straight up fight picks. I'll go quickly down mine. Uh, Blahovich, Jan, Makachev, Volkov, Chemaev, Ankalaev, Janaroba, Ramos, Duraev, Dos Santos, Gomzatov, Murphy, Petrosky, uh, Ismagulov, and I'll go Tiger in the opening one. All right. This is with my heart, non DFS related. I'm going Blahovich, Jan, Dan Hooker, Volkov, Chemaev, uh, Ankalaev, Janaroba, Hamosh, Duraev, Zaleski, Gamzatov, Murphy, uh, Yao Zhang, Ismagalov, and Ulanbekov. Man, my pronunciation is getting pretty, pretty good for some of these names. Well, we're going to have probably a lot more Abu Dhabi cards uh, with yeah. what's going on here starting November 8th. So that is going to do it for the strategy show. We will talk to you on Saturday. Of course, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at Jason underscore Floyd. He's at Pete the Heat MMA. Of course, also be sure to follow Osmo on Twitter at Osmo underscore com. So until Saturday, this has been the also MMA strategy show. Have a good day. and We will talk to you on Saturday morning. See you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.